Testing by freedom is much harder. Nobody pressures you about your religion. So you relax and are not concentrated on Christ or on his teaching and how he wants you to live. Think about it. So, you, so they're saying, and, and this, was, this was, all the kids are gone that are old enough to understand this. I was looking for something this morning, and I was led to a page of pictures that was troubling. And it was a, I don't know what country it was in, whether it was China or, or some uh, Arab country. But somehow I got led to a picture of four or five men hanging by nooses for their faith. And there was men on the ground holding the thing, and there was a crane. It was very recent. And I saw that picture, and I thought, and, I, and, I, and this comes from my missionary mind. This is my missionary background of how uh, sometimes we can just, you know, and I'm, and I'm doing this message around this time of the year because this is the time of the year we can get the most comfortable. We can get so much, so, some, in some ways, lazy. Amen. Now, listen, I'm not going to look for your amens this morning. I don't, I don't need them this morning. Amen. I'm going to preach this whether you give me amens or not. But what you will give me later is thank you. I promise you. These kind of messages will build you and grow you. I need messages like this. I need my faith challenged. I need to be challenged. We need, I'm going to say this for you, we need to be challenged. Amen. We need someone to tell us this is how it is because we can get lazy in our faith. And what a, what a statement. So we're, we're thinking about people being hung for their faith, crucified for their faith, killed for their faith. And this Russian man in a communist country is saying we have it harder because we have to fight freedom. We have to fight the laziness. We have to fight the option. To, so they, they, they don't have to worry about going to church or not going to church because they don't have a church to go to. They have to have that faith in the Lord. We have to fight the freedom this morning. And listen, you might say, hey, I'm here. Don't beat me up. I'm not beating anybody up. But I'm talking about being at church this morning because you wanted to be here and you made the choice to be here. But how many know there's about a thousand other places you could be right now? You might have got invited to some of them. There's some things you could be doing right now. And, And we're not a committed people today to Christ. And so I want to talk about that, and I want you to think about that. And I wrote that down in my notes as an ouch. I put ouch there. By, by, as I read that, it was like, ouch. I need to fight the freedom. So let's look at uh, Proverbs 16 and look at verse 3. And it says, commit. And I want you to underline that, write that in your notes. And no, I did not just cuss in church. Amen. That, that word right there is a cuss word for some people. Commit. You want me to commit to something? You want me to commit to you? You want me to commit to my job? You want me to commit to God or whatever? And then as I think about that, we do have problems with commitment. But what I see a lot of times is I, as I, I'm a people watcher. And remember that I'm always preaching to myself before I preach to you. So don't ever think I'm preaching a message that's not for me. I've already preached this message to me. Amen. I've already practiced on myself. But I want you to understand that when we watch people, we see that a commitment to a lot of things sometimes is a lot greater than our commitment is to the Lord. I've seen people over the years that are never, ever, ever late to work, but they're late to the things of God. 
I've seen people over the years who would never, ever, ever miss work, but they would miss any kind of event at church. I've seen people over the years that would commit their lives to a purpose, but when God asks to do something, they're busy. Now, again, I'm not condemning you this morning. I just want you to think about this this morning, commitment. I'm doing this on a morning we did communion and a morning we're going to do baptism. I was telling some people before the service that are going to get baptized, I've seen people over the years get baptized and never seen them again. They get wet. They get baptized, and somehow they think, I got my ticket to heaven. I've, I've ran into people on the streets witnessing before, and, they, and I said, do you know Jesus Christ? Are you a believer? And they say, I'm baptized. I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? What, what is that? I don't get it. I mean, there's a, there's a thought we have in our minds that, hey, I went to church three years ago at Easter. Amen? Hey, I quoted the Lord's Prayer. You know, there's a commitment and, and so today in, in the world, there's more pulling on us now than ever before. Now, let me, let me be careful as I say this, but not too careful. I've seen a lot of people spend a lot of time on social media, but can't spend time reading the Word. Right? I'm, I got ouch all over this message. I, look, if you could read it from there, it's ouch, ouch, ouch. Amen. So this message will make you thankful because... If I had a missionary here this morning from China or Russia, they'd be talking like this. They'd be saying, you guys are so blessed. They'd be saying, man, there's no guards outside telling you can't be here. Man, you guys can go anywhere you want and do anything you want. Now, some people would say, listen, you're, 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 you're kind of making me mad because I do love God. But I want, to, uh, I want you to get to think about something. I want you to ask yourself this question. Does my talk line up with my walk? Or does my walk line up with my talk? Because when I, when I think about a day like communion, when I see a video like Barabbas, man, it's punching me. It's punching me. It's, it's hitting me in my area. It's, it's saying, man, wake up. Get serious about this. Get, what, what, what are you doing for God? What are you doing for me? We need messages like this because I'm telling you, I know how it is at the end of the year. We start getting to the end of the year, and everybody starts getting into mode. Right? We start letting go, and right here is one of the places we let go the most. Amen. That's the thing I got to fight the most. We let go, and we literally let go, right? The, the belt thing changes. We let go of everything. This is the moment to become more committed. This is not the day to stop coming to church. It's the, st- it's the day to start committing more to the things of God, more to the things of the Lord, more to prayer, more to the Word, not less. But we have more distractions today than we've ever, ever, ever had before. So commit your works to the Lord, and watch what happens. Your thoughts will be established. Now, I want you to go to the book of Luke with me, chapter 18. Amen. How many are mad at me? Don't raise your hand. Keep it to yourself. Amen. Guess what? I got a statement for you. I'm not called to be your friend. I'm called to be your pastor. And, and I, I don't know a lot about sheep, but I do know that if those sheep start to wander off, that, pat, that shepherd does not say, hey, little sheep, come here, little sheep, come here. There's a wolf over there. Come here. He takes that thing and puts it around their neck and yanks them back into the flock because he does. Now, listen, I'm not preaching this on thinking about one person in here at all. I don't have any examples. I'm just telling you we need to commit. We need to commit now more than we've ever committed before. 
And so I want you to read a story that's very powerful. And, 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 and I want you to understand that Jesus, as loving as he was, and we know Jesus was love, the world likes to quote Jesus a lot. Like they're good at quoting Jesus. Well, judge not, Jesus said. You know, they like to quote him. I mean, whenever they need to, they got them quotes from Jesus. Jesus is the most misquoted person ever. I mean, people know the Bible when it comes to an excuse. And, and they say, well, Jesus is love. Jesus is definitely love. But, man, he was tough on his teachings. He expected that his followers would do what he did. Amen? Listen, he, he, he ran a tight ship. Those disciples did not become the men of God they became because Jesus was always patting them on the back and saying, you're doing so good. And he had some times he had to say, listen, your, your shoes are untied. Listen, you're going the wrong direction, whatever it was. And so he says in this story, Luke chapter 18, one of the most powerful stories in the Bible. Many of you will recognize it in a second. He says, now a certain ruler asked him, saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, you tell me if there's anything more important than that. There's no better question in the whole, whole world than that. Does any, can anybody tell me anything more important than living forever? I can't. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the key. We've got to make sure when we die, we're going to live forever. So Luke 18, verse 18, says this. What do I do to inherit, inherit eternal life? And he says, Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. He says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. She begins to go over these things that the man should do. And, and, and here's the problem. He gives a religious answer. The man gives a religious answer. This is where the rubber meets the road in our faith. We cannot fool God. We, we, we can fool our spouse. We can fool our friends. We can fool uh, each other. But we can't fool God. And so he says, oh, Lord, I'm getting ahead of the scripture. Oh, Lord, I've kept all those since my youth. Like, I, I'm the, he, you know what he's basically saying? I'm the most religious person you've ever met. I got it down. I do all those things. I go to church four times a week. I read my Bible every morning. I pray every day. I tithe. I give. I go. I witness. I mean, he's, he's pulling out his resume. He's, he's yeah, I got it all. I, I'm good. So he says all, I'm, I'm, I'm adding to what he said, but that's basically what he said. I, I got it down. And so Jesus does to this man what Jesus will do to us. And all of us will have a different, some will have similar, but all of us will have a different place of, 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 uh, of nerve, so to speak, a, a different toe that Jesus will step on. And he says to him in this answer, okay. He says, all these things, verse 21, I've done from my youth. And Jesus said, okay, you still lack one thing. Sell all you have and distribute it to the poor. And then you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. That's a pretty strong statement. I want you to sell everything. Now, for some of us, that wouldn't be a big deal. All right. I'm good. I'll go sell the three things I have. No problem. This guy, this guy didn't have three things. Look at the next verse and see what happens. 
But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful. For he was not just rich, but very rich. Or as we would say today, filthy rich. He had a lot of money. He had a lot of possessions. He had a lot of things. And so for this man, Jesus, you know, for somebody else, it might have been something else. But for this man, his God was money. Now, not everybody's God is money. But I want to tell you something. Everybody has God's. Not me. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, we do. I'm not saying they're always, they're always where, they, where, where the devil wants them to be, but they're always trying to get his place. One of the verses I sent out this week was that they asked Jesus, what, what, what do I do? Another one, what do I do to inherit eternal life? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Right? So when I do that, I'm showing a commitment. God is asking for a commitment to him. And, and, and I want us to think this morning about this. I want us to, to focus on this. And I want to give an example um, off of this of how, how we have to be careful not to allow things to grab our attention. And, and, and as, as the message is going on, we should always as believers be saying, Lord, what area in my life are you speaking to? And, and, and what, what, what is it that you would have me to do? And, and I always want you to know that we always have something we're working on. We, every week, some of you might think, man, every week I've got a new challenge. That's because that's how life is. No one has arrived. And we won't arrive until we're standing with the Lord. But I, I, I did this example at uh, the Carrollton Church for an offering. And I thought it was, it was good to, to mention again. It's called catching a monkey. And there's a way that they catch monkeys. And what they do is they take a coconut, and which monkeys like, and they cut it in half, and then they stick an orange, a full orange, inside the coconut. They close it, and then they, 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 they seal it, and they make a small enough hole for them to get their hand through, and then they hang it on the tree, or they put it near a tree, or they put it in different places, and then, and then they, they leave. And how many remember the book Curious George from school? I don't know if it's really true that monkeys are curious, but that's what that book showed. And, and according to this true statement of catching a monkey, they must be. And so they'll come up to that coconut, and they will smell that orange inside that coconut. And they will want that orange. And they will stick their hand through the hole to get the orange. The problem is, is it's different sticking your hand into the hole than it is bringing it out with something in it. And this is kind of how the devil works with us. And so he sti- that monkey sticks his hand in and finds the prize, the orange. He's already smelt it with his nose, and he likes the smell. Now he has his hand on it. And now what, what he wants to do is take that, mon- that, mon- that uh, orange home with him. And so obviously he yanks on the, on the coconut. And the coconut either pulls the trap down on him or, I actually saw a video of this, or, he just starts screaming like a monkey, like crazy, like a monkey, until that person just comes and grabs the monkey and takes him away. Here's the interesting thing. When he gets to that monkey to grab the monkey, all the monkey had to do was let go of the orange, and he could pull his hand back out. But he will die and give his life because he wants that orange so bad. Now, Satan will put things in that coconut for us. 
that we want real bad. And he'll put it there like a carrot for us, and then we'll grab onto it. And this man here had grabbed onto his orange, which was money. And everybody has a different orange. If we sat down and had a conversation, you'd have a different orange than me, and other people would have different oranges. There'd be some similarities, but we'd all have an orange if we hold on to that thing. We will lose our life because of it. This man lost his life because he would not let go of that orange. And it sounds crazy, but that monkey will not let go. He will die with that orange in his hand. And that's the way many Christians are. The devil puts something in front of us that's bigger than what God wants in our lives. And let me tell you something. God has something way bigger behind uh, that trap of the devil for us than the devil has. It's something way bigger and way greater. When I think about this story of, of this rich man, and I've always said this, and I've never stopped believing this, and I've never studied anything to change my mind on it. Jesus was simply testing that man. He did not need his money. He did not need his resources. All he needed was his what? Willingness, obedience, his heart, whatever you want to call it. And he said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to bless, he's thinking in his mind, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless this man. This man's going to have eternal life. It's crazy. Think about this. Grab this. Don't lose this. He's asking, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus shows him who his God is. He says, give me your God, and I'll give you eternal life. And the man chose money. Right? That's what he did. He went away sad. I believe, and I've always taught this, that if he would have said, and had the right heart and said, okay, Jesus, I'll, I'll meet you back here next week. I'm going to go sell everything I have. Where do you want me to meet you? What time do you want me to meet you? And, and, and said that, and I believe that as that man would turn away from Jesus to go do what he said he was going to do, I believe Jesus would have said stop. Just like he did with Abraham and his son Isaac. Did, did, did God actually want Abraham to kill his son? When he told him to go up and sacrifice his son, did he ever, ever want him to kill his son? No. He wanted to see what? If he would. God's never asking you for something because he needs it. He's asking for it because he wants you to know you don't need it. And he needs you to let go of it and release it so that he can give you something better. Can you say amen? A number of years ago, this is another ouch, Norman Cousins wrote an editorial in a review which he reported a conversation he had on a trip to India. He was talking with a Hindu priest, listen, Hindu priest named Satish Prasad. The man said he wanted to come to our country as a missionary among the Americans. Cousins assumed that he meant that he wanted to convert Americans to the Hindu religion. But when asked, Satish Prasad said, no, I would like them to convert, I would like to convert them to the Christian religion. He says, Christianity cannot survive in the abstract. It needs not membership but believers. And the people of your country, listen, this is a statement from a Hindu. The people of your country claim they believe in Christianity. But from what I read at a distance, Christianity is more of a custom than anything else. Ouch. I would rather that you accept the teachings of Yesu in your, he said Yesu, Jesus, in your everyday life 
and in your affairs as a nation or stop invoking his name as a sanction for everything you do. Ouch. Ouch. This is another part of the world watching us. Doesn't mean there's just Christians in the United States. But we can become spoiled. Can you say amen? Here's a story I want you to think about as I begin to close. This is called One Nail. One Nail. On a recent trip to Haiti, I heard a Haitian pastor illustrate to his congregation the need for a total commitment to Christ. And he gave a parable, a real-life parable. Many of you know the poverty in Haiti. A certain man wanted to sell his house for $2,000. Another man wanted to buy it very badly. Just because he was poor, he could not afford the full price. After much bargaining, the owner agreed to sell the house for half the original price, $1,000, with just one stipulation. He would retain ownership of one small nail protruding from just over the front door. That was the only stipulation. I will sell this house to you for half the price, but I get ownership of that one nail. You cannot touch that nail. You cannot remove that nail. If you do anything to that nail, that nail is mine. Then the house becomes mine. They did a contract. After several years, the original owner wanted his house back. He tried to buy it, and he would not sell it. So this first owner went out, found the carcass of a dead dog, and hung it from the single nail he still owned on the front door of the house. Soon, the house became unlivable. The family was forced to sell the house because he could not take that dog off that nail. And eventually that man had to leave his own house. Why? Because he left one thing to the devil. We have to be careful that we don't serve Jesus 99%. Because if you leave, see a lot of times Christians, we do this. We give God most of us. We give God a lot of us. And, and, and this would even be that for, all, for all of us that feel like we're really committed. we got to make sure that we're not just kind of in, but we're all in. Amen? Come on, give me an amen or a woe is me. We've got to commit because if we leave the slightest little opening for the devil, he is not playing games. He, I have seen it over and over and over over the years where a person has given the smallest little slightest hole for someone for the devil to come in and he comes in very small very quiet very subtle and begins to slowly take ownership again of that person's heart and i've seen someone who has really radically changed their lives go back to their old ways because they did not 100% commit to Jesus amen I want you to go to Psalms 37, please. Somebody say, I love you, Pastor. Thank you for those five. Appreciate you. I love you back. As you're getting to Psalm 37, how many have ever heard of the ham and eggs story? How many like ham and eggs? How many like breakfast? I love breakfast anyways. I, I could eat breakfast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Most of you know that. So ham and eggs, chicken and the, and the pig were walking along the road, and they were both hungry. And they saw a restaurant up there ahead that said ham and eggs. 
And the chicken got really excited and said, let's go eat breakfast. And the pig wasn't as excited. And they kept walking along, getting closer to the sign. And the chicken said, come on, come on, pig, let's go eat breakfast. Ham and eggs. And as they got closer, the chicken wanted to go in. The pig wouldn't want to go in. He said, the chicken said to the pig, why won't you go in? Why don't you want to eat breakfast? He says, I don't like ham and eggs. He says, if we go in and eat ham and eggs, for us to eat ham and eggs, all you got to do is lay an egg. To eat ham, I got to die. That's how a lot of people are. We're good to, for someone else to commit to it. We're good if, it's, if it doesn't affect us, right? All I got to do is lay an egg and I'm done. I can, eat it. I can do it again. That, that, that pig has to, do, has to give it all. That, that's the kind of thing the Lord is looking for. He's not looking for us to say, hey, volunteer you. I volunteer you. You go do it. Don't we do that a lot? Volunteer yourself. Put yourself in there, amen, and let your life be meaningful for something. Psalms 37, let's watch this. This is a good teaching to finish. And as we're about to read this, Chris, I want, to go, I want you to go ahead and put that up there. I didn't want to leave it up too long because it's an ouch. It's an ouch. This is the day we live in right here. We have part-time Christians who want a full-time God. We have people who want everything from God but don't want to give anything. And God, God, listen, this isn't a works message, by the way. It's not a works message. We don't believe biblically that you have to do things to be saved. That's why I showed the Barabbas video, to bring balance. We don't do those things to be saved. We don't do those things to be good enough in God's eyes. We'll never be good enough. We do things for the Lord and we sell out to the Lord because he first loved us. You ever wonder why you love God? First John says, because he first loved us. I love God, and because I love God, and because I'm thankful he gave his life for me, I want to do everything I can to live for him and serve him and love him and tell people about him and, and, and give back to him something of what he's given to me. But, oh, I've seen lots of people like this. Oh, man, they, they, are, they are so quick to call on God when they need something. But they're so quick to say, I'm busy when God needs something. And God wants us to get into a relationship this morning with him where we're on call. We're on call. God, if you need me, I'll go. God, if you need me, I'll do it. Listen, I've had some things. We're going to look at Psalm 7, uh, 7, uh, 37, uh, verse 3 in just a second. I'm going to close right here. I've had God do this lots of times. I was just thinking of an example this morning, many examples personally where God has tested me and, and, and wanted to see where my heart was. And I was thinking about, I don't know why this particular one for, for sure, but um, when I was in Costa Rica and we had the church, um, I was a pastor and, and we were missionaries and we were serving God. And, and I was able to, to play basketball while I was there. I was never a basketball player who was, a, was pastoring. I was a pastor who was playing basketball. It was never the other way around. In the flesh, it, I would have wanted it to be that way, but I never gave in to that. And I remember in, in, in my last year, when I finally ended up stopping playing, um, one of the reasons I stopped was because I could never wholeheartedly 
give everything of myself to basketball because I, I was making sure that God was first. And so God said, okay, let's see, kind of like Brian said, you know, hey, be careful what you ask for. And so I'm trying to prove to the Lord as I'm playing, hey, God, you're still first. I kept everything right. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I wasn't missing church. I wasn't missing any of my, of my things that I needed to do for the church. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want you to do prayer every morning at the church at 5 a.m. Every morning, Monday through Friday, I want you to open up the church and I want you to have a prayer. Now, the problem with that was, is we had practice at 6. And so what was God asking me to do? Choose. Choose between obeying him or staying playing basketball. Think about it. And so I had a choice before me. God was basically, and this is the permissible and the perfect. Could I have said, no, God, I don't want to do it. Was God going to strike me down with lightning? No. He was testing to see where my heart was, very similar to what this man was doing with the rich young ruler. He was testing my heart. I quit basketball and started the prayer meeting and, and began to do that every single morning. Gave, so Because I was proving I was not a basketball player. I was a pastor who was playing basketball. We need to understand we're not a business person who is a Christian. We're not a worker at our job who happens to be a Christian. We're not a uh, whatever it is who happens to be a Christian. We are a believer in Jesus Christ, a Christian who happens to be a business person, who happens to be a worker at this place, who happens to be. Are you following what I'm saying there? It should not be the other way around. I've always taught you guys that your job is the place that pays you to be an evangelist where you work. But are we fully, fully committed? Here's the promise. Here's the cool thing about what God does. As you read Psalms 37, verse 3 through 7, let's read. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now watch this. See if this sounds familiar. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. And then look at verse 7. This is awesome. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. So I see some words there. Trust, dwell, delight, commit, and rest. Amen. How many know that God will give you rest this morning? I would rather be tired from doing something for the Lord than to be worn out working for the devil. Amen. Or, or even just doing something that's good that doesn't amount to anything. I want to be tired serving God. I want to be tired doing what's right for the Lord so that when I can rest in him. Listen, I want you to think about this. We're going to rest when we get to heaven. Amen. Now, how much effort do you put in this morning? Think about this. Don't close me off. Our people that are going to get baptized are going to go change. But don't close me off. This is important. Don't forget the end of the message is always the best part. We've got to check ourselves and ask ourselves, am I a part-time Christian? 
And some of you might have the religious answer to me or to somebody else. No, I'm not a part-time Christian. Let me show you my resume. Let me show you how many times I go to church every week. Let me show you what I give. Let me. It's not about that. It's about does the Lord have your full commitment? Full. 110%. All in. All in. 100% commitment. Everything you are. Everything you are. Everything you are. I can't answer that for you. I can only answer it for me. I can't answer it for my daughters. I can't answer it for my wife. I can't answer it for anybody but me. I want to be 100% sold out. You know what I've found? That whenever the Lord asks me for something, and you've probably heard me say this, He asks you for something, He always has something better to give back to you. Always. I, always. I mean that. Always. Every time in my life God has ever asked me for something, and I've done it out of obedience, doesn't mean that when you do it, it's easy. It wasn't easy to make that decision to stop playing basketball, to do a prayer meeting. Think about that. That's not exciting. Being at church at 5 o'clock, not the 5 o'clock in the morning part was the problem. The, part, the problem was realizing that I, I'm not going to be able to play the game I love anymore that I was getting paid for, and that I got to play in front of a lot of people. That Just being real, that's flesh. And instead, I'm in a church with four or five people showing up every day praying. Why? Because I was being obedient. But just to give you a small example of how the Lord gave back to me on just that little thing, I was eating lunch at a place close to the church one day, and I ran into our owner of our team. And the owner of our team said, Hey, how you been? He, and, and how's it going with the church and everything? We just started having conversation. I said, good. And we we're just short talking. And I said, man, I see you guys are in the finals. My team went to the finals. Think about it. I'm praying and my team's in the finals. So in the spirit, I was good. I knew I was doing what God wanted me to do. In the flesh, man, I sure did want to play in the finals. So we're sitting at that table and my owner says, hey, I want you to play with us in the finals. I didn't play the whole season. I left before the season started. And my owner says, I want you to play in the finals. See, that's how God gives you back what you give away to him, doing it with the right heart, doing it with the right attitude. He gives it back to you. Now, you don't always see it immediate, like, immediately like that. And I'm going to be honest, there's some things the Lord's asked me to commit to and to do that I haven't seen with my own eyes or my own thinking. This is what he gave back to me. But I know that if I trust in the Lord and do good, I'm going to dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Wouldn't you rather have God's faithfulness than what man can give you? Wouldn't you rather leave it in the hands of the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to commit to you 100% and watch what you do for me in this because I'd much rather have what God can give me than what man can give me. So he says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And at the end of the day, we can rest in the Lord. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. As you're, as you're praying, I want you just to think this morning. There's a lot to think about, but maybe just maybe focus on, on the nail part. Is there a nail? Is there a clause? Is there something in this 
commitment of mine that I've left out? Is there something I've held on to that I shouldn't hold on to? I want to make sure this morning that you're, you're answering that to God and not me. But I do believe that a lot of the things that God asks us to do are tangible, daily things that show a lot in our spiritual walk. So I want to commit to the Lord in every way I can. And you, you need to ask the Holy Spirit, where, where am I not committed to you, God? What areas in my life? And he'll show you. He's a good God. And you'll commit. You'll, you'll, you'll give in to that. And you'll say, that's me. I'm in. I'm all in this morning. But how many this morning that are here would say, before I ever commit my life and my actions and things to the Lord, I need, I need to give my heart to Jesus. I'm not sure this morning if I died where I'd go. I don't know where I'd go if I died this morning. I don't know where I'd spend eternity. Today you want to know. Today you want to be saved. We have some people that are going to get baptized because they have said, I want to commit my life to the Lord. I want to commit my heart to the Lord. I want to be saved this morning, and I want, and I want to show the world that I'm serious about this. But today, you don't know Jesus, and you're here, and you need to put your life into his hands. How many would say, that's me? Would you pray for me this morning? Just put your hand up and put it right back down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you anymore. That's me. I don't know Jesus. I'm not saved. I'm, if I died today, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. Listen, that video about Barabbas, that's you. That's me. We were Barabbas without Jesus. But he forgave us. He died for us while we were sinners. He gave us eternal life. And today you can be forgiven of all your sins. You can be born again. You can have a new life. How many would say, you know what, I, I do believe this morning. I, I do know Jesus, but I, but I have fallen away. I have, I have gone back to my old ways. I'm doing some things this morning I'm not proud of. I'm, I'm living in a life that I'm not sure is pleasing God. And today, I want to get some things right with God. How many would say, that's me? Just put your hand up. God bless you. God bless you. He sees the heart of, of a man and a woman that says, I, I need to get right. The Bible says he's married to the backslider. He loves that person and calls them home. That prodigal son came running home. As we stand to our feet this morning, I want to do one more thing before we dismiss, before we pray, before we go and, and, and celebrate these, these baptisms. If you raised your hand for salvation or rededication and you meant it and you want to be saved this morning, I, I can't save you. I can't do anything for you. All I can do is lead you to Jesus. But the Bible says that if you confess that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So it's believing that Jesus did what he said he did. And he is powerful. He's powerful this morning to know your heart. So we're going to sing a song. As they begin to sing, I want to ask you just quickly, if you raised your hand and you meant it all over this place, if you just come down here and stand right before me, I want to pray with you this morning and pray with everybody about salvation. Just step out. And just come stand right here across the front. We're going to pray with you this morning for salvation. What the Bible says is biblical salvation. Amen. Someone will come stand behind you this morning and just support you. Just know that you're not alone this morning. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I did this 25 years ago, last month. I gave my life to Jesus, and I've never, 
ever, ever regretted it. Not one day. People will make you kind of regret serving the Lord, but Jesus has never made me regret it. People will let you down. Can somebody say amen? People will let you down. But we don't put our eyes on people. We put our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And he's a good God. And I'm telling you, what he wants this morning is not your stuff. He wants your heart. So we're going to say a biblical prayer from the book of Romans. All of us together. And we're going to ask Jesus to become Lord of our lives this morning. And, and here's what the Bible says is going to happen. All the sins you've ever committed before right now are going to be gone. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what the Bible says. He says he'll forget our sins as far as the east is from the west. He'll throw them into the sea of forgetfulness. So just say this after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy. Because for your grace and mercy, I'm here this morning. I could be somewhere else. But your spirit drew me to this place. I have heard your message and heard your word. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus, I believe that I am a sinner and I need a savior. I fall short of your glory. And I ask you this morning to forgive me for all of my sins. Jesus, I put my faith in you. And what you did on the cross 2,000 years ago when you defeated death, hell, and the grave. You died a perfect death and resurrected from the dead to defeat death so that I could have eternal life. This morning I commit my life to you. Jesus, write my name in the Lamb's book of life because I do confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And because of that alone, I am saved. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says that angels are rejoicing in heaven right now. There's a We're, we're kind of clapping, but in heaven, they're shouting. And rejoicing because you've been rescued from the from the snatched by the hand of the devil and you, now your name's in that book and the only thing that can take that out is you turning away from God that's the only way he'll never take it out he'll never leave you he'll never forsake you now you just begin to walk in him but the best thing you can do today is what I want to ask everybody else in here to do is commit commit you know normally